Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. What is good? Broncos Country, welcome into yet another simulcast live episode of the huddle up podcast i'm your host chad jensen with me as always my partner in crime you guys know him you love him as the lead nfl writer for heavy.com he is zach kelberman zach it's kind of been a sleepy monday as it relates to bronco land with the exception of some of the emmanuel sanders chris harris jr trade rumors kind of bubbling up here and there we'll get to all that but how you how you doing today on monday I'm doing pretty well. I'm watching this Jets game right now, and it's just another no contest for New England, another ca- cupcake opponent for them. But in terms of the Broncos, not a lot of action like you talked about. We're still waiting on that Sanders domino to drop, and I think it will. But uh, I think Broncos fans are still kind of reeling from that Kansas City blowout and seeing what's next for the team. Yeah, we're going to talk about we'll, – we'll get to whatever's on the mind of our, our listeners, our viewers live here on this simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. But first, we're going to also talk about what Derek Wolf had to say Detroit rank on Monday. He was doing a promotional event. Derek Wolf was, and Troy rank was able to bend his ear for a minute. And we got some interesting quotes to kind of dissect and go through. We'll see what's on the mind of our listeners and our viewers here joining us live right now are the likes of Matthew Dallin, Stuart McPeak. What's up? Flippant Booch, uh, Travis Chandler Dallin. Oh, coming in hot already Appreciate with the, with a uh, super chat donation, Dallin, we love you, bro. Thank, Thank you. you, appreciate it. Goes a long way. Uh, anything helps keep this podcast healthy, wealthy, and wise. So, a lot to get to tonight. First, though, just a quick reminder to everybody as the room fills up here, Zach. Let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Why? That's the best way that you can keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Stay apprised of when we go live, when we uh, announce updates, giveaways, all that stuff. You want to make sure you're following the show live on Twitter. 
And then don't forget, if you like what you hear from Zach and I here on the Huddle Up podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a creative review. And if again, if you like what you hear, a five-star rating, it's a great organic way to help support the show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's touch on really quickly what Derek Wolf had to say on uh, Monday to, again, Troy Rank from CBS Denver. And he was doing a promotional event. Uh, He said, quote, in regards to the debacle from Thursday night, Derek Wolf said, our days are long. Our practices are long. We put in so much work and to go out there and get embarrassed like that, man, it breaks your heart. Close quote. That's Derek Wolf. Zach, it's it wasn't just media observing that it was an embarrassment. It wasn't just fans being at a loss. The players were embarrassed. Yeah, and Derek's always been the type to be totally brutally honest, and we always appreciate his soundbite as people who cover you know the team. But yeah, they feel it. They know the Broncos are pretenders right now. They know they're probably going to enter a rebuild, and that ticks off the veterans like we talked about with Von Miller. It just chips away at their at their energy, at their passion. Wolf and Miller, all these people, they've been with the Broncos since the championship days, and they've seen this team just go from the penthouse to the outhouse, and it's tough for them to watch. So they're invested as much as the fans are, and they take losses. Even though they're getting paid a lot more than the fans are, they take them just as personally. Stuart coming in from the top rope with a nice donation there. Appreciate you, Super Stuart. Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. I mean, Derek Wolf, he's a vestige. He's a holdover from the Super Bowl 50 squad, and he he had it easy. And, Derek, and uh, in fact, Troy Rank pointed this out in his his article regarding these quotes. You know, Derek Wolf had it had it nice when he first entered the league. Four consecutive division champions uh, championships as a Bronco, two trips to the Super Bowl, one World Championship. For guys like that, the last three and a half seasons have have you know it's been it's been tough for him especially on the defensive side of the ball Zach where they have really had to carry the water for this offense that has been inept at times it's been a quarterback carousel to say the least five different starting quarterbacks and by the time Drew Lockett's on the field at some point this year knock on wood uh, it's going to be six in a four-year period less than a four-year period so for those guys you feel bad for them it also I think represents a 
reckoning, a realization probably on Derek Wolf's part that, look, this thing ain't, it's, it's not getting fixed anytime soon, or at least not in 2019, 2020. It's probably going to take time to turn this ship. This team really has to fully embrace a rebuild. That means you're going to, you're going to need a few well-placed veterans like your Vaughn Miller's, I don't know where Chris Harris Jr. factors into this, but a guy like Derek Wolf, who is frankly kind of a shell of his his former self, it's hard to see how he factors into this thing at all beyond 2020. And of course, he's in a contract year. Yeah, that's something that stuck out to me. Maybe subconsciously, he was it, it broke his heart because he knows he's not going to be around for 2020. He knows this. There's probably a good chance it's his last year in Denver if he doesn't get traded at the deadline. So it, he knows that maybe in the back of his mind, the writing's on the wall. He'd be going out not with a bang, but with another just a thud. And he knows it, it's tough, and he knows the NFL is a business, and uh, he, he's grown to love the community, love the Broncos, but he just have seen the, the results the last couple of years, and they haven't been pretty. Welcome in to everybody who is filtering into the room. Christy, yep. good to see you. Driscoll, let's see what Driscoll has to say here. What two players would be best for the team coming off injured reserve? Zach, I don't think there's any question. So long as he is healthy, so long as he can grip and throw a football without pain and there's you know, minimal risk at him aggravating his, his throwing thumb, Drew Locke's got to be one of those two. But yeah. if you end up dishing Emmanuel Sanders uh, on the trade block this week, that kind of changes the shape of that question as well because you got Tim Patrick chilling there on injured reserve, and then also the pass-catching running back extraordinaire in Theo Riddick. Yeah, I was going to say, if Sanders gets traded, I, I would like for those reps to be divvied to Juwan Winfrey more instead of going to Patrick, but that can be a possibility. But then you have Riddick, like you said, it was the pass-catching back, and the Broncos invested fairly heavily in him when they signed him and he had that injury. So maybe working him in the offense as another pass-catching weapon, one of those two players. I don't see Jake Butt getting the green light just yet. I think he'll be kept in mothballs. It's going to be, to me, Locke and Riddick or uh, Tim Patrick. Those are no-brainers, and it's going to happen uh, relatively soon. Jordan says, I've been a fan since 1987, and Elway has always been my guy. What's sad now is seeing how Elway has mismanaged this team to the rock bottom. And Zach, I want to ask you a question. What do you think has been, post-Super Bowl 50, what do you think has been the biggest misstep, the biggest mistake, miscalculation that John Elway has made as the, you know, the, the president of football operations slash GM? We said it last night, not hiring Kyle Shanahan. That changed the whole course of the franchise, hiring Vance Joseph, and it just set the Broncos back, as we've seen now, five, maybe even longer, maybe more years than that. That was the biggest whiff. You can talk about his his draft picks, his personnel moves, his quarterback selections haven't been great, but not hiring that, that wonder child in Kyle Shanahan, the perfect... I mean, what better scenario? An offensive genius, he's cut from the Shanahan cloth, he, he wants to come back to Denver and thrive here, and you pass him up for a guy who had one year as a coordinator. I, to me, uh, he that was nothing worse than that move, that uh, LMA. From a move perspective, that's, that's up there, no doubt about it. I think just to drill a little bit deeper, I want to talk about it on a philosophical uh, perspective here, and that is that I think John Elway has been – he's so competitive, right? He's so motivated by – winning and and the problem with that for John is that he that model that the team established in 2015 it 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 took him to a world championship he thought that so long as i can maintain a dominant defense i can get by with a you know just barely good enough to win type of quarterback a guy that you know Peyton Manning as good as he was in 20 or you know his career in 2015 he was a shell of himself physically 
John Elway fooled himself into thinking that he was one middle-of-the-road quarterback away from winning it all. Again, goes 9-7 and seven the, the year following the Super Bowl, makes that grave miscalculation to hire Vance Joseph, as you said, passing over Kyle Shanahan. And from there, it's just been year after year selling out whatever the cost to compete slash win now, forsaking ultimately the, the making the right decisions that lead to sustained long-term success. For example, look no further than the Joe Flacco trade. I mean, the Denver Broncos, honestly, think about this. The Broncos gave up a fourth-round pick. They had to move money around to take on Joe Flacco. Yeah, they traded away Case Keenum, but at this stage, would you rather have Case Keenum, who is on a, in a contract year in 2019 as a Denver Bronco, it's well known he's only a placeholder. Drew Locke's coming in hot as soon as he gets off injured reserve. Or this farce of John Elway in the offseason talking about Flacco being in his prime and this this line that we're, that Broncos fans are being sold that this team can compete with Joe Flacco. I would rather, honestly, and this is in retrospect, in fairness to John Elway, in retrospect, probably would have been better just to keep hold on to Case Keenum. You'd probably still be 2-5 and five at this point in the season, knowing full well there's no misconception, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Eventually, Zach, the plan is Drew Locke. And the thing about Elway with quarterbacks is he's so ego-driven, he looks for quarterbacks who resemble himself as a player. And it's just he doesn't go along with what t- today's game needs to be for quarterbacks. Uh, every decision he made, he tried to sell to the fan base as the solution when they were just putting band-aids over bullet holes, as you like to say, Chad. Flacco is a downgrade from Case Keenum. I don't know how the Broncos managed to do that, an expensive downgrade. At this point, I'd rather have Trevor Simeon. Honestly, I mean, he was the best quarterback <laughs> since Peyton Manning, and he did a lot with that 2016 team that neither Keenum or Flacco have shown capable of doing. That's true. He is the, well, I don't know what, I can't say for sure what his record was when he left as a starter, but at least in, in 2016, Paxton Lynch started two games going one and one. So I think he was eight and five, if I'm not mistaken, Trevor Simeon as a starter. And obviously it wasn't good enough. I'll take uh, it. Get, I mean, to get to the playoffs, but that seems like, a far cry from where this team has been the last two years, right? Yeah, big time. I'll take it right now. Eight eight wins. They went nine and seven that year with a below average roster and Gary Kubiak in his swan song. I mean, you could do worse than I think Simeon in that year. There's your hot take of the night. Zach Kelberman preferred Trevor <laughs> yeah. Simeon today over, over Joe, over Joe Flacco. Flacco. Nevitt says some other outlets are talking about Chris Harris Jr. being a part of the long-term plan in Denver. Your thoughts. You guys – you know, Nevitz, I know you listen to this show each and every podcast, and by now you should know pretty well where our thinking is on this, and that is that Chris Harris Jr., he's in a contract year. The Broncos sweetened his contract this year after he held out, didn't add any additional years, <clears throat> years to the contract. What I also learned on Monday, Zach, is that the Broncos, this contract that Chris Harris has, that that new that the raise he got this this past summer to return to the field, three and a half million dollars. The the Broncos are not allowed; they're barred from negotiating with Chris Harris Jr. on a new contract during the season. So what that means is he's gonna hit free agency. There's no getting around it. Now maybe the Broncos could just throw a contract at it, call his agent up and say, "Hey, here's a fifteen million dollars a year uh, contract. You know, X amount guaranteed." Does he want it? But he can't negotiate. So it kind of limits what the Broncos can do, which tells me, Zach, it's only a matter of time. Because once he hits the open market, as bad as things have been in Denver, other teams are going to see Chris Harris Jr. as a crown jewel. They're going to go after him. They're going to offer a ton of money. And the Broncos at that stage, 
you know, he's going to want to leave a B. I doubt they're going to want to pony up the money because if they were, they should have done it last spring. Yeah, they had multiple chances after the season when he started this back at the combine. They was even being talked about. So they had multiple opportunities. They went out and signed Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan. So that says everything about how they feel about the long-term prospects for Chris Harris Jr. But not being able to negotiate in season says to me that Harris is betting on himself. He thinks he's the number one corner in the NFL. Uh, He thinks he's going to get paid like it. I don't really see that happening on the open market. I'm sure he'll get a nice contract. Won't be with the Broncos, but I think he's overselling himself a lot more uh, than he showed on the field this season. There's no getting around that. Chris Harris Jr., in his own mind, is significantly a better player than what he has proven himself to be through the first seven games of this year. And granted, there are a lot of other moving parts that have contributed to his body of work thus far, and he's playing a position where all it takes, like we talked about on yesterday's show, all it takes is one snap getting beaten one-on-one in your matchup, and it casts a shadow on your entire body of work for that whole entire game. But yeah, Chris Harris Jr., no getting around it. He just hasn't been the same player this year. I would argue even last year was a Pro Bowl year for him. He hasn't even been the same player this year. Now, Brandon says, why isn't Joe Flacco on the trading block? Chicago could use him. Um, Who wants Joe Flacco besides John Elway at this point? Right. And even I don't think Elway even wants him anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have any trade value, Joe Flacco. I, I take Trubisky as bad as he is over a literal statue who we talk about, he physically can't move in the pocket. He's scared to throw the football, as you've seen. I'm sure you guys have seen it on Twitter, the video of him flinching and recoiling whenever he's back in the pocket. No team was going to trade for Flacco from the Broncos in the offseason, and no one is doing it now in season. It's just not happening. Plus, he's making a significant – you know, his contract now has four additional years after this season. I mean, they are still pretty much a series of one-year deals. Basically, team option type of of contract each successive year following 2019. But still, he's not worth the amount of money he's on the books for. So any team taking on Joe Flacco either makes the decision, conscious decision up front, saying we're it's a short term rental, we're going to cut him at the end of the year, or they ask him, yeah, we'll take you, but you got to be willing to renegotiate your contract because we're not going to pay you whatever it is next year on the books, twenty something million dollars. Uh, to go two and five for us. That that ain't happening. Chandler says, Elway would be a fool not to activate Drew Locke and start him over Joe Flacco. At that point, if he does, then he's showing how much he really cares about the fan base. Are you saying if he does start Drew Locke, he's showing how much he really cares about the fan base? I don't know that that's too much of a concern on John Elway's mind right now. What is on John Elway's mind at this stage? Two and five, he's got to be at wit's end. I think John. what's on John Elway's mind is John Elway's job security and what John Elway thinks is best for the Denver Broncos. And I don't think he – don't take this the wrong way, Broncos fans. I don't think he necessarily cares about the fans. That If he did, he wouldn't keep shoveling this Flacco tripe down our collective throats here. Um, if he will make the move to lock, and I think it's only a matter of time, it's because he thinks he made the right choice at the right time. That's just the way he operates. He's not going to cave to pressure from the fan base, from Joe Ellis, from anybody. He's going to do what John Elway thinks is in the best interest of Denver. And eventually, he can't hide from it anymore. Flacco is putting tape, bad tape on national television. He's going to just have to make the move. His, his arm will be forced, even if he doesn't want to. When you've got players like Derek Wolf, who always shoots you straight, he's always just gonna he's gonna tell it like it is, using the e word to describe Thursday night, the embarrassment word, right? He was embarrassed. If Derek Wolf's saying it, then everyone probably pretty much feels that way, which yeah. jives with how fans felt. I mean, we're talking about a team that at home 
with Patrick Mahomes gone for two and a half quarters, not in the game, going up against a backup who hasn't played starting football in the NFL for a couple of years and against a defense that was ranked in the bottom third, the Broncos lose 30-6. to six. And I remind everybody, those six points that the Broncos put up was the lowest scoring total this team had produced at home in a primetime game ever. That's embarrassing. And Joe Flacco, look, it's not all on him. The offensive line has not been good, especially the tackle play. Rich Scangarello has been in a slump as a play caller, and he's a first-time play caller. So these are the type of ups and downs, the roller coaster aspect of being a play caller that he's got to learn to work through, and that's part of his learning curve as a first-time play caller. But it all it hasn't all been on Flacco, but at the end of the day, as the quarterback goes, Zach, so goes not just the offense, but the entire team. I mean, he's the leader of the team. That's what the quarterback position is. It's the most important position, and not just in football, but of all of sports. And a lot of Broncos fans were defending him for making those fourth-quarter comebacks, the theoretical ones, the first couple weeks of the season. You can't credit him but not fault him for the same things that he commits mistakes that he makes. He's not the answer for this team. He just turned out to be a bad quarterback. And, you know, I saw a couple other people saw before the season even started. He was not right for this organization. I, I just it's 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 evident by now. Anyone supporting Joe Flacco still is just the most delusional orange tinted wearing glasses uh, you can even find on the on the market right now. King Kirk says, I honestly feel like the morale that Joe brings to the offensive side of the football is so bad. And I think quarterbacks that bring that fire and grind type leadership from a young guy like Locke would help huge. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think either Zach or myself are delusional in thinking that Drew Locke is going to step in. Let's say they start him in week 11 coming out of the bye. I don't think either one of us are delusional to think that on the drop of a dime, just by virtue of Drew Locke stepping in and starting, the the destiny of this 2019 Broncos squad is, is going to change. They're still going to miss the playoffs. And even if he starts week 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, if he starts seven games, okay, he'll be lucky to, to go three and four. He'll be lucky to um, win three games just because he's brand new to the NFL, such as the the learning curve and the trial and error process for a rookie quarterback. But as a team, you're moving in the right direction. You're getting your young future franchise caliber quarterback, the live bullet reps he needs to develop. John Elway's on record before he became a GM. You guys, let me remind you of this. I have to do it quite often, but John Elway, before he became a, a front office czar in the NFL as just a hall of fame quarterback, he said the best way for a young quarterback to develop is by playing. Now, he hasn't he hasn't managed his teams that way as a GM, at least post Peyton Manning. He's not managed the Denver Broncos that way. But it's true. The Aaron Rodgers of the world, that story of backing up Brett Favre for three years, not seeing a snap, and then going within a two-year period of being a starter to winning a Super Bowl, that's the exception that proves the rule. By and large, young quarterbacks, and just like any player, Vic Fangio said this, not realizing what he said. It was kind of a Freudian slip, the implications it had about the quarterback position. But he just said over the weekend that players, the only way they develop is by playing. So that means if you want Drew Locke, if you have designs or hopes as a franchise, if you're John Elway, you just spent the number 42 overall pick in the 2019 draft on Drew Locke, your only hope of him becoming that franchise guy is for him to play. You can't go, well, let's uh, let's bring in stopgap quarterback after stopgap quarterback right. and see if Drew Locke can beat him out in training camp, and then we'll have our answer. No, that's not how it works in the NFL, dude. The the rookie, the high-round premium draft quarterback, he, he gets inserted. The team closes ranks around. And they say, look, it's not going to be pretty in the short term. We're going to suffer through the ups and downs. But in the long term, we're going to come out of this ahead. Yeah, and uh, 
I don't get the argument. I get this a lot on Twitter. Oh, if you throw him out there behind this offensive line, he's going to fail. It, it's not about wins and losses with Drew Locke. It's not about stats. It's not about 2019 anymore. You have to know what you have in the guy. You traded up for him. You've been targeting him all offseason. He was the apple of John Elway's eye. John Elway finally got his man. Then he puts Flacco as the QB1. Fine. That experiment is over. It ended. You have to know what you have in Drew Locke one way or the other, preferably more than a full you know, seven games or so, but you have to have audition tape to see what he can do to know next offseason, is he the guy? Should we go get another guy? What is the long-term ramification here? It's no more short-term thinking. It's no more kicking the can down the road. You finally have a glimmer of hope like you had in Chad Kelly. That didn't work out well. Now you have it again in Drew Locke. And even if they have a bad offensive line, even if they don't win any games, you still have to let him take his lumps. It's going to happen either way, and you have to let him sink or swim on his own volition. You just have to find out. We know what we have in Joe Flacco. We do not know what we have in Drew Locke. And until we do, this argument will remain the same. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Knowledge dropped, you guys. I couldn't have said that better myself. Just uh, Michael here, he says, wow, it's not Tuesday, but glad they're on. Yeah, so the way the scheduling works out when we do these live videos, the, the, the benefit you guys get to the live is you get to participate in the conversation, obviously, but also you get the podcast a about 12 hours sooner than people because on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, those those listeners won't get this show till till Tuesday. So just FYI. Um, here's what Chandler says. Does anyone else see Flacco as another Kyle Orton? And it's kind of it's interesting that you say that, Chandler, because from an emotional perspective, the way they conduct themselves on the field, that's kind of was Kyle Orton too. Even when things were really going well for him as a starter, uh, back in, in 2009, his first six starts as a Bronco, the Broncos go six and zero with Josh McDaniels and, and Kyle Orton. He was he's he's just even keel guy, never too high, never too low. And Joe Flacco, same type of guy, but that's a position, Zach, I maintain where you need to have fire, you need to have intensity, you need to have emotion. Yep. You're, you know, again, as the quarterback goes, so goes not only the offense, but the entire team. I mean, to each their own. Some people prefer more subdued quarterbacks like Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton. I like the fiery types. I like the get-in-your-face types that just go crazy. And Joe Flacco hangs his head whether he throws a touchdown or an interception, and they they march to the beat of his drum. And there just isn't a drum right now. He's collecting a check. He looks miserable out there. He looks old and worn down, apathetic, no interest. And no surprise, the offense looks the same. The whole team looks the same. They go as Flacco goes, and they're, they're going nowhere as a result. 
Lauren says, Bronco fans, even if we draft two or three great years, it doesn't fix the 53-man roster. It's going to be at least 2022. Free agents will avoid Denver like the plague at this point. And I get what you're saying there, Lauren, but uh, more often than not, unless you are a well-established um, like if Demarcus Ware, for example, when the when the Cowboys cut bait with him at the end of a long, already arguably Hall of Fame caliber career, he was looking for a contender. Okay, but most free agents they go where the money's at. So even though the Broncos don't appear to be attractive, what really attracts free agents, Zach, it's show me the money. Yep. I was going to say that perfectly just like that. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You can be the Redskins. You can be the Bengals. If you cut a check large enough, that is still the God. That still speaks loudest right there. So the Broncos can have a stretch, but they're not contenders. They still sign Juwan James for record-setting deal. They still sign Kareem Jackson. As long as they open the checkbook, free agents will come. The record does not matter. That's a fallacy, and that's a myth. And especially for defensive players, they're going to they're gonna be attracted to playing under Vic Fangio, yeah. notwithstanding how bad this season ends up. Everyone understands that he's a first-year head coach and it's going to take time. Now, uh, Jacobs here says, PFF has a 2020 mock draft with the Broncos taking Justin Herbert at pick 13. Locke needs to see the field for a full evaluation. And that's something that you got to consider. You brought it up, Zach, and, yeah. and Jacob is here too, that another reason you need to get Drew Locke out on the field is you need to know is he the guy or is he shown enough signs for us to feel confident in giving him one more year as the guy so that we can either in the first round go with an offensive tackle or a cornerback or a linebacker or whatever instead of going after and spending another high round premium pick in consecutive years on a signal caller. Yeah, the Broncos don't have the luxury of Josh Rosen and Drew Locke right now. They really have to see what they have in him, and they have to eat what's on their plate before asking for seconds. They might not even have a top 13 pick. They might not be able to get Justin Herbert, but they have to know if they're targeting a quarterback, and they have to know what direction they're going and if they can use that draft pick at a different position. It all starts with the quarterback and all starts with Drew Locke. So uh, no determination can be made on Justin Herbert until they know what they have in Locke. And right now, uh, it's a complete question mark. All right, you guys. Hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight on a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up podcast on YouTube and Facebook. We have to keep this one a little bit shorter and sweeter, but we will be back with a another episode for you guys live simulcasting on Thursday evening, and that's going to be the Mile High Mailbag where questions galore, get ready, have them locked and loaded. Zach and I will answer each and every one of them. In the meantime, you're going to have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos to listen to on Wednesday. And then on Thursday morning, you'll have a fresh episode of Zach and I going behind enemy lines, talking with Philip B. Wilson, who covers the Colts uh, in Indianapolis, to just kind of get a beat on what's what to look for and what to expect in uh, Week 8 from the Denver Broncos opponents. So stay tuned for all of that. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, as you can see on the screen on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Keep your chin up, you guys. This next week is probably going to be interesting because between now and when we next speak with you guys, there's a good chance Emmanuel Sanders going to be dished. So, And who knows? It might not just be him. We'll see how it shakes out and find out for sure, Zach, whether or not the Broncos are in store for a true fire sale. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I Hopefully by the next pod we have a little uh, news to talk about. I think, like we talked about in yesterday's pod, if there's one player that's going to go, it's going to be Sanders, and that can happen relatively fast. A lot of suitors for him right now, and uh, I would look for a deal to get done. All right, you guys. Thanks again for joining us live, 
And uh, Zach and I are really enjoying doing the podcast live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. So the more you guys show out for us, the more you guys help contribute to making these conversations fun, engaging, and interesting, the more we will continue to do them live. So stay tuned, though. We'll be back in a day or two. Look for that Building the Broncos episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Keep your chin up, Broncos country. We'll talk to you in a couple days. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.